Welcome to the Legacy Pod. In episode 5, I spoke to Mark Rodwell, a former professional surfer, a CrossFit athlete, and now a gym owner. Matt spoke about the struggles of balancing failure and success in competitive sport, the mental health obstacles he's overcome and continues to overcome, and the difficulty of being a business owner in the UK during a global pandemic. This is a really honest and open chat where Matt spoke about the importance of taking control of your decisions and owning your mistakes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Legacy Pod. Thank you for joining. Well, thank you for having me, man. As your Instagram shows, you're quite a hard man to get hold of. You're always here, there, and everywhere. Um, where are you right now? I am currently in Mexico City. And I've been in Mexico for the last month and a half, nearly. Um, I'm kind of working remotely just because there's nothing for me to do in the UK right now. Um, I recently bought a gym, so officially a box owner. You know, I have my own CrossFit gym, but given you know, given government guidelines and everything that's going on right now, I can't actually open doors, and it just made no sense for me to stay in the UK. So Mexico was a Mexico was the choice. Any particular reason? Just somewhere that you fancied going, never been there before, or what was the thinking behind Mexico? Um, there's, you know, there's, there's multiple reasons behind it. I mean, the fact that I've never been, you know, I, I've always wanted to come here. I surfed professionally, you know, when I was younger and it's common knowledge within the surfing world that Mexico has some of the best waves in the world. And so I definitely wanted to explore that. Um, and I appreciate and understand that the world's in a very weird place right now and the fact that there's a pandemic going on people like our oh, traveling's irresponsible etc but at the same time i think as long as you take all the right precautionary steps you know and you make sure you're not subjecting people you know who are at risk to you know risky circumstances i think you know i think you're fine um and also my my girlfriend lives, you know, or her, her family's in LA. So the plan is to go from Mexico to LA. In order to get into LA, um, I needed to do a two week quarantine in Mexico. Okay. So makes sense. Those are the kind of government guidelines on that. I guess as well, <clears throat> you are right in terms of people's immediate opinions on traveling. But um, if you do take those precautions from a mental health point of view, um, I guess anyone that could travel would probably take the opportunity to try and to, if it was safe for their own sanity try and try and get a break somewhere yeah completely i think you know we're going on and you know we're we're, we're step we're, we're well into year two now you know of you know if you look at the time frame of when the virus was first detected you know we're, we're living into year two of it now and you know, there's, a, there's a lot of evidence that the lockdowns don't actually make much of a difference. And if you were to look at 
the percentage and the the spike in you know suicides self-harm you know etc lockdown is really not it's not doing the general public any favors in my opinion yeah you know and i want to add that in and be clear that that, that is my opinion you know i look at the uk and I don't know, it's chaos. Nobody actually knows what's going on, you know, and it's, I get very frustrated because yes, there's an incredibly high amount of cases, but if you were to look at the figures and, you know, the statistics of the amount of people that have actually died and the amount of people that have recovered, I feel like we've had flus, you know, that have been more, you know, deadly and you've seen, you know, higher death tolls off of flus in the past, you know, and I'm not talking about a hundred years ago. I'm talking about 10 years ago. We had a, you know, there there was a flu where there was an incredible, incredibly high death toll, but the whole world didn't, didn't shut down, you know? So it's a weird one. and, And I don't completely agree with the lockdowns. And I do think if, you know, if, if you have options and, and they're there and you're able to execute them without putting people at risk, then you should. I mean, when, you, when you say there, it's probably all that people have right now is their opinions on, on, the, on the matter because there's so many different conflicting official reports or positions that different governments will take. Um, but when you touch on the mental health there, I mean, you've been back in the UK, I've not been back for a while now. But it definitely seems to be one of the things that is e- easily overlooked um, when certain industries are so quick to be shut down, when people have been kept in their homes and locked down. And while you can understand the rationale behind protecting those most at risk and, and suppressing the spread of it, um, the, the mental health side of things, that's clearly something that uh, you've got your eye on um, just from observing it. Is it something that's that's fairly overlooked in the, the midst of massively. the pandemic? Massively, you know. I think it's also something that's massively overlooked within UK culture. You know, yeah. you, the UK the UK culture of things is very much about pull your socks up and get on with it. You know, and talking about mental health has been taboo until quite recently. And so I think, you know, it just. There's a serious lack in duty of care from the government right now, you know, like in terms of looking at and understanding the the effects of these lockdowns, they just don't seem to care. And I think, you know, friends of friends, you know, have taken their lives and, and, you know, like there's a lot of people that have been in a very dark and bad way because of this, you know, and I think, you know, I've got a fair bit of experience in in mental health in terms of people close to me, you know, family, et cetera. And it's, the winter is already something that's very difficult to get through in the UK if you struggle with your mental health, let alone being locked in your house, you know, like, and not being able to leave, like, there are lasting effects that come from that, that, you know, I think the government needs to be paying closer attention to. And, and you know, it's, it's funny, you work, like, obviously, I, I try to be as careful as possible with what I allow myself to take in, because I do get affected by it, you know, 
but you'll see these, you know, you'll get these bits of information, you know, whether it's Piers Morgan, Elaine, Matt Hancock, and him not actually having an answer, you know, and completely just, you know, talking his way around the question, you know, to Boris Johnson, you know, continuously extending these lockdowns. It's, it, it's very hard to believe anything that comes out of the UK government right now. And I think it's super brutal to be a part of. Just on that, because you made a couple of points there that I think I probably I would like to explore a bit more, but on on the politicians' perspective generally, you know, you're you're talking about the UK because that's that's you know that's uh, that's kind of your your that's base hard. if you want as home for you. Yeah, I think in the beginning everyone would have given anyone the benefit of the doubt in terms of dealing with this because it was new, because it was you know no one really knew how to deal with it but at this stage as you say going into year two do you find it harder to forgive mistakes or missteps or certain measures that are taken that benefit one group of people when the large majority seem to be at the disadvantage completely you know like it's there's no like i mean Without making this, you know, too political, you know, I, I, I've never been a fan of the Tories, you know, and whether it's, you know, they're dealing with the virus or, you know, the fact that, you know, they wanted to take away school, meal, school meals for, you know, the less privileged in the UK. I think the, 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 there's just no way that, like, I wouldn't judge anything they do now. You know, it's like you, you're moving into year two of living with this and they've com continuously messed up, you know, mistake after mistake. And it's like, you know, they're often like, ah, oh, you know, go easy on Boris Johnson, he's doing his best. It's like, he's not an eight-year-old, he's the prime minister. Yeah. You know, I'll go easy on Matt Hancock, they're doing their best. Matt Hancock doesn't know his, his thumb from his toe from what I've seen, you know, they just waffle on and ramble, you know, aimlessly. And so it, it's, a, it's a hard one, you know, like, like I said, obviously I don't want to be too political, you know, but it's, do I forgive or do I find it easy to forgive them? No, I, I think as the UK is completely mishandled, you know, the dealings of this, you know, and, I think they should be punished at some point for sure. But, you know, given UK politics and my knowledge of it, that will never happen. In terms of, so you mentioned there right at the beginning, you've just, you know, you've just bought a gym, you've become a box owner, which probably from your point of view has, could have come at a worse time just as lockdown, lockdown happened. So from, you know, from getting the keys, what has it been like in terms of, being a business owner, being someone in the UK that's looking to try and, um, you know, facilitate and try and improve that that mental health deficit that you spoke about there through fitness, and you're just not able to do that right now. Well, you know, and uh, and it, it's so funny because it, it it was literally, I got the keys, I was able to open the gym for a week. And then lockdown hit and it was like, nope, all gyms have to be closed. 
you know, and there was a tiering system. And then later on, there was additional tiers that had never been mentioned, you know, to almost mask up their shortcomings. You know, it, it was it was just very chaotic and very stressful. And, you know, it's been a stressful period just because it's this like it, it's all completely unknown. I don't know when I'm going to be able to open doors, you know, and I think if you look at, and, and I said this a while ago, I said this when this all happened, it's like, if you look at the best way to manage, you know, and keep people alive and manage the virus, you know, it's through building strong immune systems and, you know, healthier, fitter, stronger, better humans. Yep. And locking people indoors is never going to do that, you know, and from from my perspective, it's like, you know, like, I think if you look at the amount of time everyone spent inside and almost like wrapped in cotton wool, when they start to let people out again, and this is exactly why it happened, is like you let people out again, people's immune systems aren't what they were. Yeah. They start to get sick again. Cases go back up. And it's like, I think, honestly, if the UK maintains this, you know, lockdown, freedom, lockdown, freedom, lockdown, freedom pattern that they've had so far, you're going to see a real pushback from the public because people are sick of it, you know. And, you know, from my perspective as a, as a business owner and as a gym owner, you know, the only way to, you know, to try and help people with their mental health and help people through this is to have them in a gym working out, you know, and in as safe a space as possible, you know, obviously when I set up the gym, you know, we made sure each person had their marked out space. People went and collected their equipment that they needed for the workout one person at a time, sanitize your hands before, sanitize your hands after, you know, if you, you know, you, you just respect the certain, the boundaries that we lay out, do your workout. Once you've done your workout, clean off your equipment, pack it away. Yep. No harm, no foul, you know? And it's, you know, laying down the boundaries to your members and, and the people that come to your gym. Hey, if you're feeling ill, don't come in, you know, and just being respectful within that, you know, and that kind of comes down to a lot of this, a lot of the conversation that, you know, we've had, like it's just being respectful and understanding the boundaries, you know, and in order to, in order to like, you know, bounce back and help people gyms need to be open and, and from the short time that you took control of the keys could you see immediately i mean obviously fitness has been an integral part of your entire life um you've been in countless number of gyms number of crossfit boxes etc etc but from the point of view of being an owner could you immediately see just the positive impact that it was having on your members just by coming That's in every day Massively. It was like, it, it was, you know, like, I've been involved in CrossFit and fitness, like, for going on. Like, CrossFit, this is year 11 for me, you know. So I've been involved in this for a long time. Yeah. I've seen it go through highs and lows. I've seen it go through great glassman and new ownership. And I've seen all these things. And it really is, you know, it, there was a few light bulb moments, is what I call them, you know, like, that happened, you know, well, my girlfriend and I were repainting, you know, the gym, like, you know, one or two people came in and helped us help us out. 
and it, the the just the look on their face like oh the gym's going to be open again we can come back like there's a real sense that people miss that community that they had yeah. within the gym you know and they miss working out you know like and i think it's so you know my friend luke worthington um he wrote a great piece on his instagram about this the other day it's like working out is a gift it should never be seen as a punishment you know like using your body is a gift and it's the greatest gift you'll ever have and it's like you know for me when i was able to open the doors again like one of the guys who's been a member i'd coached him in the past he was working you know just over the road um he saw the lights on he came he knocked on the door opened up we had a brief conversation he was like what's happening i was like well i've bought the gym and i'm taking it over and you know we will open doors again come january 6th january 5th i think it was we opened doors you know and, and it was just he there was a beaming smile on his face you know and he was like look if you need anything whatever it is let me help out please i'd be more than happy to help out and you know you you can see people people miss that yeah they miss they you know and i think it it comes down to like not so much about the routine of going to the gym but just going in there using your body you know being able to switch off using it as almost a sense of meditation and then cracking on with what else you know with the other things that you need and that's not necessarily a crossfit thing obviously crossfit has has no. the community thing associated with it but i think anyone no matter what it is they do if they can go somewhere and move and be with people um that would do them the world of good it's probably just amplified when you have the whole crossfit community thing but i think generally people are missing doing it whether it's yoga whether it would be you know spin class f45 whatever it would be people are just missing out on getting in that space with other people and working out well, and like people are themselves. missing out missing socializing you know and it's like humans by nature are social creatures yeah you know like by nature we're social you know some more social and some less social you know and i feel like i, I definitely understand both sides of that coin you know i think when you work as a coach you really you know you really appreciate your downtime because when you're in the gym and when you're on the floor you you know you one of the things i've always like i've always tried to like you know be really purposeful with is that when you're coaching like my job as coach is to deliver the best hour of your day to to the people who have come into my class yeah you know and that is taxing you know so from a coaching perspective that's taxing and it's like when you get to the end of the day of coaching a lot of hours you enjoy your quiet time but you know that's not to say you don't enjoy that socializing element at the same time until you've actually been you know the person in the arena you know or the coach running the class like it's hard to understand how taxing it can be yeah you know and how much energy you actually have to put out there to make sure those people have the best hour of their day you know it's it, it's a very challenging job you know and i've like i said i've been doing this since 2010 like i've seen a lot of people like you know burn themselves out really quickly you know and and it's it's so easy to do it's so easy you know like honestly if you were to work you know and you were to do 10 classes a day for a month you would not really want to see a gym again for yeah. a very long time 100% you know 
and it's like it, it's it's so you know I think slightly off topic, but it, you know this all ties in with the same thing. You know, like with what we're talking about. I think when when you're running a gym and as a business owner, the most important thing is to have happy coaches. You know, like because without your coaches, your gym doesn't run. Yeah, and you need to be providing an environment where your coaches feel appreciated, challenged, but also you know, like they're progressing. You know, there, there was a couple of times where I worked at certain gyms where I was just like, it just felt like, you know, repetition. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get into that, it's you don't want to be involved in it anymore. You know. In terms of the gym itself, we'll uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But to quickly rewind, um, when you were talking about the mental health side of things, um, you, you know, you sort of mentioned you've got personal experience of that, uh, and I'm, I'm not expecting you to go into details. But what I think people who maybe only know you through through social media or know you from the image of Matt Rodwell, it's it's pretty refreshing to hear someone like you speak about that so openly and and acknowledge that people do struggle with it, whether it's friends, family, we all have, you know, we all have down moments in our life, whether uh, it, it goes into anything more than that, but we all have those sort of slumps. But I think it's pretty refreshing that someone like yourself doesn't really have a problem talking about it and encouraging people to acknowledge if it's an issue. But I think it's the biggest and I think it's one of the most important things in the world. You know, like, it just, like, it's so important, like, to be able to talk about it. Like, it, it's like, it's 2021. It can't be taboo anymore to talk about mental health. Like, if yeah. you're feeling down. And, I, you know, like, I have moments where, like, things are pretty dark and I'm not very happy, you know? And I, I have moments where I have to battle, like, the the monsters inside my head and you know for a period there I didn't have the tools or the right coping you know coping mechanisms to deal with it you know luckily my partners helped me a lot you know and and I'm I'm getting better I'm still not where I want to be in terms of knowing how to cope and deal with that side of things but you know it's a work in progress and I am getting better um and I, you know, like I, I do understand that, like, sometimes when you're feeling down, like, you don't want to talk about it. And it's not easy to talk about by any means. You know, I, I think people struggle with putting themselves in a position of vulnerability. But from personal experience, when you open up and say, hey, I'm having a bad day, you know, and you, you're able to talk about and figure out why that is. Mm-hmm. It's like a weight comes off your chest, you know, or off your back or whatever it is. It's just, you feel so much better and so much lighter to talk about it. And it's, it's something, you know, like my friends know and the message to anyone, it's like, if you're having a down day and things really suck, like you can always reach out to me. I'm always near to chew on, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, if you, if you just need to vent, you know, it's, it's important to to know that there's people around you that you can do that too, but it's, it's important to do. It's like important to talk and get off your chest and be like, okay, this is how I feel, you know, and then trying to understand why you feel that way, you know. 
and if you if again tell me to um I know you would tell me to mind my own business, but in terms of <laughs> of where those demons come from, is that something that's maybe associated with um, just the the sort of competitive side of your life that you know being a sufferer from from very young and the the highs and the lows of 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 competitive sport. You know, there's nothing better than winning. There's nothing worse than losing. Completely. Is that tied that's up in all it, of that? Yeah, I mean that's where it started for me. Um, you know, I was, I obviously, I grew up in Zimbabwe, competed at a very high level and won everything. I competed that from cross country to swimming, you know, whether it was breaststroke, backstroke, butterfly or crawl, won it all. You know, I think I won, up until I was 11, I won every race, but the 100 meters, you know, just, you know, and then that transferred into surfing and like, I was able to surf, you know, become sponsored that was my job for a while but i never managed to crack crack the code with competitive surfing like i just kind of buckled in hindsight i wish i'd seen a sports psychologist to try and help me like unpack the mindset that i needed to be in to be more successful you know but situations didn't allow that and what ended up happening is you know at 14, 15, 16, you know, in the UK, drinking culture is pretty acceptable at that age, you know? And I think without me realizing it, my coping mechanism for not having the success I felt I was due was to drink, you know? And later on and further down the road, that turned to drinking and drugs, you know? And then I was lucky, you know, to have the support unit that I do at home that pulled me away from that, mm-hmm. you know, and I was sober for a long time, you know, and that was when I was able to, you know, click back into that competitive mode and, you know, be able to compete at a regional level. You know, I came 19th in Europe in 2014, which is an awesome experience and an awesome time, you know, and competed at the very highest level. European competitions Um, and you know and then a similar thing happened with the surfing where it was like I got injured didn't really have the you know didn't have the tools to to cope with the injury you know and my coping mechanisms were wrong, you know. I started to drink and party again. Wage weight at this point. I feel like that was probably the first real injury I had was 2015, um, and I tore my lat going into the fourth workout of the Open that season, and I was sat in like the top ten in Europe. You know, fourth workout or third workout, I tore my lat. Wasn't able to complete complete the fourth or fifth workouts, but you know that was that that was kind of when I first injured myself, and then I think I started using drinking as a coping mechanism around, I'd say 2017, 2018, 18 maybe, but I think that I think that side of things, you know, and my mental health there was pretty down based on my 
life work experience that was going on. I'd been in the Middle East quite a while and I was quite lonely. Okay. I then suffered, you know, some injuries and stuff. And it just like accumulatively built up and I was like, okay, well, you know, I still trained hard. I still came fittest in Qatar in 2018, you know, and I had some, some success, but I definitely wasn't in it the way I should have been, you know, and my advice to, you know, younger guys competing or whatever it is, is it's like throw your ego in the bin. And if you struggle with, you know, seeds of doubt or self doubt, anything like that, go see a sports psychologist or see a therapist, whatever it is. Like, it's, there's no, there's no wrong in that, you know. Absolutely no wrong, but I, would, I guess if you go back to, um, you know, if you trace it back to the surfing, I wouldn't have imagined at that time it would have been quite a common thing for anyone to seek out a sports psychologist. Oh, completely not. You know, you're looking 14 years ago, it's, you know, the, the subject of mental health and sports psychologist is still very taboo. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, I think then it wasn't a thing. And fortunately for guys and girls coming up now, you know, it is. You know, and if you want to go see a sports psychologist, you know, if you think that that's going to help you, I could not recommend it more, you know. It's like, you know, like I look at competitive sport and, and all of those things. It's like it's all about that 1%, that extra 1%, you know. And it, it doesn't have to be competitive sports, you know, like, you look at what we're discussing now, like on mental health and all of those things. If you're feeling really down, there's, there's apps, you know, if you don't want to speak to your friends because you feel embarrassed about it, that's okay. Yeah. But there are applications and they are, you know, resources for you. If you're in the UK right now or anywhere in the world and you're really struggling with depression, mental health, you know, however it is you feel, if you feel like you need help, there are resources there. You know, you can jump on the internet and find them, you know. Um, and as I, it's one of them where I'm like, if, if you're struggling, go get some help. You know, like, you, try. Because it will make a difference. You've got a pretty big following on social media, Matt, and you're, you're pretty well known in the space um, of CrossFit. You're, you're, I would imagine you're still pretty well known in the surf world. Do you think it would be a surprise for the people that maybe are in your audience to hear you speaking like this. And if it is a surprise, I think, do you think it would be of help to, for, for people to hear you saying, you know, you, you do struggle. You've, you've had times where you have struggled and it's, it's okay to struggle. Reach out to someone if you, like if you feel the need to talk, if it's all getting a bit too much for you. I mean, I think as you know, and, and most people that know me, I've got pretty big character. Yep. Like, it's, I think it's kind of like, you know, we, it, it's a weird time to be a six foot two long guy, you know, pretty gifted when it comes to athletics, et cetera, to be like, oh, I struggle. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it's a weird, it's a weird concept for people to get their heads around. You know, and like I said, if you know me and you know I have a big character and how I am, then I think it would probably come as a bit of a surprise, you know, but it's like, it, it, it's, you know, it's part of it. Like, we all struggle, you know, yeah. and uh, 
like I <laughs> I am not you know I, I have struggled in the past and I do have struggles and I'm sure I'll have struggles in the future you know the only thing you do and can do is get better at coping with it and moving forward you know because there's, there's bad days and they're usually followed by good days as long as you continue to persevere one of the things that you really seem to have, um, which I guess not a lot of people necessarily do have, is which is where um, the outside help, I would imagine, is, is going to be extremely useful. But your support network, when you look at, you know, one of the things I always get, you know, pretty envious about is when I see you back home and you're, you're surfing and, you know, you're down in the coast. But from what you gather from, from those, those moments that you do post, you seem tight with your family, you seem tight with your friends and that support network, I, I guess you don't want to think about if you didn't have that, but the fact is you do have that and that must, you know, you must appreciate just how much that has carried you through whenever you've had uh, tough times. Paul, honestly, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be anything without my family, you know. I'm so lucky and so grateful to have my mom, my dad, and my sister, you know. Um, they really, they're, they're there for me, like, through thick and thin, you know. It's like, honestly, the best support unit and the best family I could ever ask for. And, you know, there's no denying, like, we go at it. Like, you know, if we're, like, you know, like if we're mad about something, we'll tell the other person and we'll fight. Yeah. Like every family, you know, families fight. But, you know, it, it gets me like, you know, like a little, a little emotional, you know, like I'm, I'm so lucky because they're always there, you know, and it's, I know that they're there. If I'm really, if I really need anything, I know I can always call home and say, hey, I made a mistake, I messed up, or whatever it is, I can call them and they're gonna pick up the phone and be like, okay. Yeah. Let's let's help, let's figure this out, you know. Or it's like whatever it is, my my family unit is you know, I I count my blessings every day for it. Yeah, it's they it's really evident. The best. It's evident, man. You can tell that even just from like I said, those little snapshots, which is a, a wonderful thing to have. Yeah, I mean, it's so lucky, you know, and I also, like, I, I appreciate and understand that everyone's relationship with their family is different, you know, and not everyone is as lucky or fortunate as I am. Um, you know, but I think you can, you know, one of the things we, uh, I think you, you got to count your blessings is you, you can, you can also pick and choose the people you allow you know, to be involved in your life. Yeah. And it's a really big thing. And it's a really important thing. Like as you get older, you start to understand that, like, you know, it's something I've always tried to like, you know, I think with, with families, like they never want to, you know, especially with parents that they never want to accept that their kids could have done something wrong. Yeah. But as soon as, you know, I think as a, as a young man, young woman, whatever it is, as soon as you, start to accept responsibility for everything that happens, things become more clear. Um, you know, and, and it's like, I look at it like, 
I'm responsible. There's no denying I've had luck and, you know, like I'm lucky and fortunate, but it's also like I'm responsible for the good and I'm responsible for the bad that happens to me. You know, we like as people, you you make decisions and you make choices. Uh, and I speak to, you know, spoke to my girlfriend about this. You know, it's choices is, is a big thing. You know, it's something my dad instilled me for a long time is consequences and actions. You know, if you make a choice, you know, there's probably going to, you know, there's going to be, you know, that choice is essentially deemed an action and there's going to be a consequence to it, you know, and you, you have to pick what you want your, you know, your consequences to look like, you know? So I think it's, you know, if you, if you struggle with that relationship, you know, having that support unit in one place, it doesn't mean you can't find it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, you just have you, but you have to choose to do it. You know, and I think that's really a really important thing for, for people to start to understand. You know, it's like you're in charge, and you know you can make those choices. You choose. Did it take you? I mean, everyone does it. Um, but did, did it take you a while to work out who you want to choose to to be in your life? And it's because, especially when you are, you know. You mentioned it there when you're like the pinup boy in whatever sport you're doing, whether you know when it was surfing, when it was CrossFit. There's a magnetism there that you are a big character, you are charismatic. You, you know, people want to kind of be around that that type of energy, not just you, but yeah, you know, anyone like that. Those big personalities. Did it take you a while to figure out? Okay, there's people here that want to be here because they're genuine, and there's people that aren't genuine, and that's not good for me. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at, I'm good at seeing through that, you know, and, and I, you know, you, the, the latter that you're speaking of there, I call them arm's length friends. Yeah. You know, it's like once I understand like their motives and I'm like, okay, I will keep your arm's length. But I'm, I'll be honest, man, I'm still learning how to say no. You know? yeah. I've, I've never been the best at saying no. And I've always been very much about more crew, more people, more fun, everybody, let's go, you know, all together now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's taken me a while to realize and understand that that's not good for you, you know. Because um, there's a lot of people there who will, you know, want to have you around or want to be around for their own reasons. Yeah. You know, uh, and and once you you know, like, a lot of the time those reasons do not benefit you. And and I think, you know, when you look at being an athlete or being involved in sport or whatever it is you're doing, you know, you you need to be really good at saying no. And I don't think it's just being an athlete and being you know involved in sport. I think it's if you want to be successful in business, if you want to be successful as a partner, whatever it is you want to be successful at, you need to be able to say no. Yeah. And understand that the reason you're saying no is, is, you know, is is bigger and more important than just going with the flow. You know, because, like. I think it's super important to understand and, and learn that you're not actually missing out on anything. You know, Such a lot of the time, like yeah. you're not like the, the, the real, 
the real good and substantial things usually happen far away from, you know, big crowds and chaos. But everyone does that. You, you don't want to miss that night out in case you, <laughs> you miss the best night out or, and it's such a human thing. Everyone has oh. that yearning for not being the one that's staying in on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just, it's the, it's learning, like, I honestly, like, I can't express it enough, like, learning to say no is so important, and actually, like, it, it empowers you, like, you actually feel empowered when you say no, Yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, and you start to do things for yourself and for the right reasons. This, um, I was not expecting anything along these lines um and i pr really appreciate you for someone that doesn't know me that well and i don't know you that well um you know i really appreciate you just opening up like that um obviously a lot of what you said there was tied to the sport and clearly there was some some great times when you were competing um how how did you how were you drawn if we go back to the surfing for example what was it about surfing that just drew you to the sport what drew me to surfing? Yeah. It made me feel good. Made me happy. You know, it was really pure, simple. It felt great, <laughs> you know, and I'm a, I think I've always been like, like I'm a, I think I've like, in the past I've tended to shoot from the hip and I, I follow my emotions. So I'm like, oh, this feels good. So let's do that. Wow, yeah. this feels good. Let's do that, you know. And surfing really was like that for me. You know, surfing felt great. It made me happy. It made me feel a sense of thrill. You know, it just, it challenged me. Like it gave me everything I needed. But then I started to compete and I actually hated competing. Because, you know, you go out there and you surf a heat and, you know, I'd do an air reverse and get a very mediocre score and not make the heat I'd be like oh I had a great time but then you come in and you know four people sat in a box on the beach have essentially deemed what someone else did on a wave to be more worthy of making it through you know and the thing with surfing is it's super subjective yeah and I like I think if I look at my history and my upbringing like I grew up competing in a fashion where it was black and white whether you won or lost yep you know like, you know, you're either first or you're second, you know, or you're first or you're last. Second place is the first loser in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, that's how I grew up. And then, and that transition into surfing, like, surfing was just, it challenged me and it was super fun. And, you know, it, it was just everything I could, like, I kind of needed, you know. And I was super lucky where I started surfing. Like, I grew up surfing in Costa Rica. We left Zimbabwe and moved to Costa Rica, my whole family. And it's like, I surfed, wow. you know, like three hours in the morning, three hours at midday, and then another three hours in the evening for four years straight, you know, kind of turned into Mowgli out of the Jungle Book. Amazing. Surfing edition, you know, <laughs> so it, it was incredible. But then it was, you know, going from that in Costa Rica to the UK and trying to figure out competing and all of those things, yeah. like it just did. I really struggled with it and I didn't enjoy it. And I think that was where the partying and the drugs and that side of things became my coping mechanism. Cause I was like, okay, well, again, this makes me feel good, but 
you know, it's a, it, it's, it's a very dangerous cycle to get in because you'll do bad in a surf competition. So you'll go and party and you'll yeah. do drugs, which make you feel good. But then you're in bed till 12 to the next day trying to recover. You go for a surf, you surf like shit, you know, and the that cycle, continues. it just, you know, it spirals. And yeah. there are so many cases of greatly talented people who you see go down that same route and down the drain, you know. Are you quite thankful that, because you still suffer to this day, are you thankful that that period in your life, the competitive side of it, didn't actually ruin your love for surfing? Yeah, super grateful. I mean, I think I'm so competitive that it's like, even now, I'm like, I'll go and, you know, like, and we've been super lucky to have some fun surfs, you know, I'll do a couple of turns. I'll be like, all right, that's it. I'm getting in the competition. Let's go. <laughs> I'm know. back. I'm back. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but, you know, I think, especially as I'm, you know, as I'm getting older, it's like, you just start to, you start to be appreciative. You know, yeah. and I think that's the perspective and appreciation are so important. And I really try to like, I work actively hard on, you know, understanding perspective from my perspective, from my partners or my parents or whoever it is. I, I work actively on understanding that. And then, you know, trying to be grateful and, you know, relative to those perspectives, you know, and that makes a difference, you know? And so it's like, because I'm competitive, I will still get frustrated when I don't have a good surf. But because I'm a little older and I have some perspective on it, I'm also extremely grateful to just be sat in the water. Yeah. Being fortunate enough to go for a surf, you know? So it's like, it, it, it's a funny one. Like there's some days where I get super frustrated and I'm like, Ugh, I don't even want to be in the water. But then there's other days when I'll do, you know, two big turns and I'm like, right, <laughs> I'm competing again. Yep. So it, it, it's, it, you know, I think that says a lot about how my mind works, you know. But I don't think that's like just my mind. I think a lot of people's minds work like that as well, you know. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter what it is. I think a lot of people do feel that way. I think you're dead right. And then when, when you go to, um, when you got into CrossFit, that obviously filled a hole in terms of the competitive side of things. And you touched on it earlier just how, you know, how high a level you got to. Do you feel as if, had it not been for that injury, you you know, the games were on your radar, do you think you would have been there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had like, I had four top 10 finishes and I had one, oh, and I had three bottom 10 finishes, you know. I think with a coach, better care of my body. Yeah. And like a little nudge in the right direction, I think I would have made it to the games as an individual. Um, and it's funny because there's a lot of, you know, there's people who will be like, oh, sure you would have, sure you would have. I'm like, okay, think what you want, but I still kicked your ass a couple of times, yeah. you know, and don't forget that, you know, and the difference is, is like, 
I'm not like so egotistical as to say that I would have without also acknowledging that sure I'm not competing right now and you know like in order to get to the games you need to be extraordinarily committed you know there's a lot of these people who I competed with and you know that are still competing now and you look at the commitment and the effort that they put in and it's like unless you're willing to match that and go above it there's no point of even like thinking about it yeah you know um but i think like natural talent and ability you know and i think i think 2015 would have been a real good year for me i liked the workouts that year 2016 as well i think it would have been a great year but my body just wasn't there and i hadn't put in i didn't hadn't put in the work and i didn't deserve to make it to regionals again you know but i think that's why anyone that would say oh yeah whatever there's no way you would have made it the fact that you say that the fact that you can admit if you don't put the work in you're not going to get there when you did put the work in you can back yourself it's not as if you're not acknowledging what could or couldn't be done you know you're no, re- of course you're 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 very uh, realistic about strengths and weaknesses yeah uh, you know what i was also lucky like i was super lucky to have like I mean, uh, like the UK scene is very lucky to have like a, we're like we're quite like quite a good relationship with with each other, you know. Like, and I was always lucky to have like you know people like Ben Massey to train with and you know compete and go up against and Steve Forsett and those guys up at JST, you know. And and one of my one of the things that I appreciate most about Steve, you know, and Ben and is they don't blow smoke up your ass. Yeah. You know? And they, 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 with them, it's really simple and straightforward. You know, like you either did it or you didn't, you know. And it was in that 2016 season where I had a conversation with Steve and I was like, look, I don't think I've done the work. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you, you could admit that. I don't think you've done the work either. Let's look to build 2017, you know. Um and I think it's so, so, you know, it's again, this all, it, it all comes full circle, yeah. you know, to what I was saying about you choose, you know, the choices you make and, and, and being able to choose, like, you know, like if you want to be successful, you need to choose to have people like, you know, at least within CrossFit and competing in, you want to have people like Steve Forsett, Ben Massey, Jack Cornthwaite, you know, those are the kind of guys you want in your corner, you know, David Sharonke, Mitchell Adams, Will Kane, like, these, these are the people who are, they're not going to say, hey, you're doing great if you're not. Yeah, they're going to be honest with you. They're, they're going to be honest with you and they're going to say, okay, well, these are your weaknesses. This is what you need to work on. And unless you beat them with a stick, you're not going to get where you want to go. Um, and so, you know, I, I count my blessings for having people like that. And, you know, I also count my blessings for, you know, the, the relationship my dad and I have, you know, yeah. like this... He knows me like the back of his hand, and that's you know, he's quick to tell me if he if he thinks I've not done enough or if I'm not doing enough. You know, I think you need that discipline, and you need that openness, but you need to be you need to be careful that 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 openness doesn't turn into a coping mechanism where you provide excuses. Completely. You know what I mean? Like because like there is very much like the softness in 
the you know within my generation and within the generations coming where it's like everyone's a little bit scared of hard work you know and it's something that again i i love the northern boys for because man it's sink or swim when you go up to wigan <laughs> <laughs> i swear it's sink or swim when you go up to wigan like like it's like you know like sure you might not feel great but come in work your ass off work like hell yep. give it everything you got you know and you know, you, you'll, you'll get the respect, you, you earn your respect up there, you know? And it's the same with training with Ben. It's the same with training with all of these guys, you know? It's like, I, I, I love CrossFit because, you know, it, although there's a lot of chaos and a lot of stuff that I don't agree with within it, like, it just, it, it taught me that it's okay to like, <laughs> to like, to suffer through, you yeah. know? And, and and just work like hell, just like, just really graft, suffer, you know. And then on the other side, you can be like, okay, well, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad I did that. Yeah, you did the work, which which takes me really nicely to the next point. Um, for all of the trials and tribulations of of the injuries and maybe not making it as far as you wanted to, you still got that love for for CrossFit. Um, but let, I just want to be very clear about this question. Do you think you would have taken on a box and been an affiliate had it not been for the change of direction in the organization? No. Because you're always I mean, like vocal about what you disagree with. So, you know, I, I had a feeling we might like bump onto the subject. And I think, you know, I still think there's issues at the root of CrossFit. Like, I don't agree with the fact that there's a... I don't think it's acceptable that there's no governing body. You know, it, there's there's a lot of... There's a lot of work that still needs to be done because although Greg Glassman is no longer in charge, it's still owned by one person, you know? And what you get within that is it's a, what he says goes. And great, he may have owned a box for 10 years. I mean, Greg Glassman owned a box for 20 years, but he still made those mistakes, you know, and those are the mistakes that come with power. Power usually leads to, you know, big ego, narcissism, etc. cetera. Um, and so I, I definitely wouldn't have bought the box if Greg Glassman had still been in charge. And... I think even now I'm reluctant to call it a CrossFit gym. You know, in terms of my branding and the things I'll do, it won't say CrossFit, etc. I will pay the subscription, you know, the annual fee. Yeah. More for the advertising that I'll get and to be on the affiliate map globally than anything. But on my wall, it won't say that it's a CrossFit gym and on my classes, it won't say that I'm providing CrossFit. Until they... You know, like until CrossFit like really sorts its act out and until, you know, they have a governing body and there needs to be a board of directors, you know, or something along those lines where, you know, it, it's not just one person running the show. Because right now you've got one person who runs CrossFit and you've got the other person who runs like the games. And it's like, to me, that just, it's like how you can't legitimize a sport that way. It doesn't work. Is it the case that they're just the two more most visible people? I know there's a big team that works there, but it's also, 
the amount of people that got cut pre Greg Glassman selling CrossFit, you know, like they got rid of a lot of good people, mm. you know, and I don't think the team's nearly as big as it was. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs because I don't work at CrossFit. But from what I see, and again, like I, you know, like I always say, this is my opinion. From what I see and from what I know, there, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's just a lot of issues there, and there's just they, they've done some. They've done some work, but from my perspective, it's all just fluff. Like nothing actually changed. Like there's still one guy that owns it, and great guy or whatever. So he seems to be. You know, Dave Castro set up a scholarship program. That is just fluff to, you know, make other box owners happy so that the box owners continue to pay however amount, however much per annum, you know? Like, all they've done is, like, try to wrap their shit. Sorry for swearing, but, like, you know, like, all they've done is wrap you know, the, the mistakes and the, the errors that they have in cotton wool and painted it a different color. You know, I still think CrossFit has a lot of work to do before, like before it gets, at least my forgiveness, you know, and I'm sure other people's forgiveness too. Is there a case of, I mean, you're very much clearly waiting, the jury's out from your point of view, but is there also just a, a case of, Step by step, I mean, I, I guess everything that everyone wants to be done, that they feel as if has to be done, surely takes a bit of time. I think there is definitely a case of step by step, but I do also think they can do more. You know, like it, it's the same as, you know, the same as anything. A lot of the time, like, if people really want things to change, things happen pretty quick. Yeah. You know, like if a business or a company or a human, you know, or the government, whatever it is, if they really want something to change, if they're not just trying to blow smoke up your ass and pretend they're doing something that they're not, it happens pretty quick. You know, there's, there's action, an affirmative action. It's like it, you see the, the cogs turning. Maybe they're trying to hide it from the public eye, but I don't see how that benefits them in any way. You know what I mean? Like, considering it was such a public uproar about Greg Larson's comments, I just don't see how, like, keeping the changes that they're trying to make slightly more secret does them any good. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, you know, like, that's, that's just my perspective. Yeah. And my opinion, you know. In terms of the owning the gym itself, we obviously touched on it right at the beginning. You, you know, you got the keys and then things shut down um, pretty quickly. For those brief moments that you were in that position, how much did it feel? Because obviously you used to train at that gym. Did it feel like you were almost going home in a sense? Yeah. Felt it felt good, mate. Like, it felt good. It felt comfy. It's like, I know once we're able to open doors again, I, I like I know, I know we're gonna be all right. Um, it, it just felt right, you know. Like, obviously, I did my, you know, I did five years in the Middle East, and I'm eternally grateful for the experiences I've had and the friends I made and stuff. Yeah. But 
it just my dad and I had a conversation, you know, and I just felt like it was time for me to do something on my own for myself, you know. Like I just I, I needed to I I need to lead, you know, for my own mental health yeah. and for how I feel and for who I am as a person, it's important that I'm at the helm of something. You know, and, and to be in a gym that I've worked at, you know, trained at, competed for, it just felt kind of like coming home. You know, like a lot of the people who came to those first three classes were people that I coached five years ago. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, bring some new life into that space because I think it needs it, you know, and, and equally excited to, you know, see people that I've not seen in a couple of years because I've been away. Was this always something that you were working towards when you were out here and sort of doing doing your own thing? And was that always? I wanted. I wanted to. I wanted to own. Yeah, I wanted to own a gym on my own for a while, and then I was working on a project in London for about six months while I was in Istanbul, and it just didn't. It didn't come off. Um, stars didn't align, I guess, and literally, as that was closing, I got a. You know, I got a message off of one of my friends who I used to coach with at Blackfriars saying, oh, you know, you know, they're, they're going to shut down the gym, sell everything off. So I reached out to Rich and we started a conversation and, you know, ironed out everything and but a wish, better wish. There you go. Owned a gym. <laughs> and so it was, it, it was very, it was super, man. Honestly, it was super lucky. Like, yeah. Right place, right it time. It was like right place, right time, you know, and like, yeah, very, very, very fortunate. Um, and I'm super excited. I'm super excited for things to, you know, things to the doors to open again so that I can, you know, show you and everybody else what we got going on. And when you come back and when the doors do open, is this going to be your full focus? Yeah. Yeah. Full focus. Well, you know, it's like anything. Like if you can do it, you may as well be the best at it. Absolutely. And you still surf on the weekends. And I'll still get to surf on the weekends. Go do the odd weekend and beer it with my beautiful girlfriend. Amazing. So when whenever <laughs> that opens up and I manage to get back to the UK and you manage to get back to the UK, I need to come down for a workout and then you need to take me for a surf. Mate, come down for a workout. We'll go to one of my favorite places called Monmouth in Borough Market for a coffee. And then we'll plan a surf. Sounds amazing. Awesome. Listen, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know I'm keeping you from the beach in Mexico, but I, I couldn't have anticipated that conversation. So um, thank you. I hope it was... Oh. I hope it was Mate, good thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, as always, good conversation. I hope everything's going good. I hope the family's safe and well, and we'll chat soon. Thank you for listening to The Legacy Pod. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share, leave a review if you can, and I will see you in the next episode.